every customer is an audience because you're communicating with them. So I want to get that clear. Your audience, your customers are always at the center of every story you tell. Welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast, where you'll hear inspiring stories and life lessons from amazing Hell Yes entrepreneurs who are running their for-purpose businesses and living their Hell Yes lives. I'm your host, Norman Bell. Hey there, Hell Yes Lifers. Welcome to another episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. I am your host, Norman Bell, and I'm super excited as usual today because I always have great guests. And today, my awesome guest is Park Howell, the host of the Business of Story podcast. And I'm super excited to talk to Park. I have, uh, you know, starting to get back into my side business around storytelling and speaking. And so let's just go ahead and dive in. Park, how are you doing today? Norman, thanks for having me. I'm doing great, man. Great. I wish great. I was up in your neck of the woods. It's beautiful Pacific Northwest right now in the middle of the summer. I remember yes. growing up there as a kid, and I'm, it'll be 112 here today in Phoenix. Ouch, ouch is all I have to say. And, you know, here, as you, as you probably know, here in the Northwest, if it gets above like 82 or so, we start to get uncomfortable. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I used to love it when we were kids. You know, you just put up with the rain and you're out and you're playing in it. I had a Seattle Times paper route. You just never <laughs> realized that there was sun and warmth until we would go over east of the mountains and where my grandpa and grandma lived in Wenatchee. And I ended up going to WSU over in eastern Washington because oh, wow. it was warm and oh. sunny. And then when yeah. I graduated, I said, that's it. I'm out of here. I got to <laughs> get out of the desert southwest. <laughs> I almost, it's almost painful for me to remember that. There's, oh, yeah, that's right. Actually, the other part of the state, it's, it's yes. even warm. It's just right here. Well, Parker, I always like to get started by asking my uh, guests, like, what is your hell yes? What is that thing that really lights you up and makes you come alive? My hell yes is when I get to work with people and help them uncover their curiosity and find the courage to go after it. And the way I bring that all together is to say, how can I help people live into their most powerful stories? Mm -hmm. I come from the branding world, but you know, it always starts inside of us. The leader of that company, uh, the leader of that team, that brand first starts within. And uh, my hell yes now, in 35 years of working in the branding world, for the past 10 years, I've been focused on this idea about that internal origin story, uh -huh. finding it and having the courage to, to go after it. Awesome. Awesome. Great. And so we're going to be delving into this, this world of business storytelling and hell yes lifers out there that are listening, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're, maybe you're a leader in a business or, or in some other capacity in a business, or maybe you just want to tell your own personal story. There's a lot of people out there that want to have a, are aspiring TEDx talkers and so on. This uh, hopefully will be a valuable episode for you. I always like to follow up that question though, Park, with the question, um, when, if, if you ha happen to remember, when did you realize that this was your hellies? I realized this roughly September 5th, 2015. And I can tell you why, Norman. So I had been running my ad agency in Phoenix, Arizona called Park & Co. for 15 years about, you know, at that point. And actually 20 years. I started in 1995. And I knew the last five years of me running the agency, I just wasn't crazy about it anymore. It wasn't that fun. I kind of felt like I'd been there, done that, plus the recession kind of kicked the crap out of us like it did everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I just thought to myself, there's got to be something bigger. And I went to, I don't know if you're familiar with Landmark Forum. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Went to Landmark. Um, my, our, first, our son went to us. He says, oh, dad, you got to check this out. The storytelling's amazing. And my wife went and our other son. And then I went. And after the four days, it was like, all right, Park, it's totally up to you to rewrite your story. You can't sit there and whine about not enjoying your life as an ad guy anymore. What are you going to do about it? And they really, you know, kind of built the fire under me. And I remember waking up one Monday morning in September and I had this total knot in my stomach. I was 54 at the time. And I thought this is not the time to be, you know, trying something brand new. Uh, but it was precisely the time to start something brand new. And I, you know, talked to my wife, Michelle, and said, you know, I'm going to wind down the agency, pivot away from it and go 
wholly after the business of story because I was so enamored with my own curiosity around story, which started almost 10 years prior to that, and the impact and the power it could have in the world that I felt like that was my calling. That's what I was supposed to do. So I did, wound down my agency. I went in, told everybody, I'm not doing this anymore. People said, well, aren't you just going to sell it? And I said, no, because if I sell the agency, then I'm you know, encumbered to the buyer for another five years. And I don't want to be 60 starting this. So mm. this final big chapter in my life started that moment. And uh, it's been a heck of a lot of work, but incredibly fulfilling in the process because this approach to storytelling has taken me around the world, uh, working with some of the biggest brands and some of the top leaders like in the U.S. Air Force. And it's simply because I had the courage and the gumption and the people around me that supported me, especially my wife, says, go for it. Go get it. And so here, here we are today. I get to be on great shows like yours. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I was telling Park before we got started that you know, if I think of any podcast in this realm of business storytelling, the, the business of story, I mean, it's right there in the name, right? The business of story is one of the ones that come right to mind. So hell yes, lifers, if this is a, a, a topic of interest to you, then uh, please check out Park's podcast. And Norman, and, I started yeah. it actually before I wound down my agency. It launched five years ago, J- July 1st. So I'm in my fifth year of the business of story with I don't know, 265 episodes now of story Excellent. artists from around the world. And the whole mission is to help leaders of purpose-driven brands excel through the stories they tell. So I wanted to actually, and, and again, no pressure if we can't pinpoint the moment, but you had said that you'd, you know, you would become fascinated with stories over a 10-year period. Can you remember that, you know, the beginning of that fascination? Was there a moment or an event that happened? It was like, wow, what, what sparked it eight, 10 years prior? Well, in about 2003, story was just starting to kind of come on the scene. People just started talking about it. And I was um, talking with my creative director, Luis Medina, who he and I have been working together now for almost 15 years. Fantastic writer, designer, you name it. And he and I were talking about story. And that one, is, it started kind of clicking in my mind. And I started researching it back in 2003 to understand how it really worked. But it wasn't until three years later in 2006 that we were doing a branding program for a client. And it felt like we were muddling through it. Like what we used to do and how we used to do it no longer worked. It seemed like it was antiquated all of a sudden. And the story thing, man, it just keep hitting me. It was the universe yelling at me, Park, go follow story. I mean, it literally (laughs) was like that, but I was ignoring it. It just kept banging me on the head. Then I got lucky because our middle child, our son Parker, went to film school at Chapman University in Orange, Mm -hmm. California in 2006, graduated in 2010. He has been in Hollywood ever since. He's a director, does a lot of motion design work for TV shows, but he directs virtual reality and 3D movies. And uh, anyways, he's all in. But Norman, while he was going to school and I was trying to figure out what do we do next? Because the old way of advertising, branding and marketing is clearly not working anymore because of the internet and whatnot. I asked Parker, actually I more commanded him. I said, when you're done with your books, send them to me since I'm paying for them because (laughs) I would like to basically get a virtual film school education right alongside you. So he did. He would send me the books he thought were most appropriate for me in the marketing world. He would send me recordings of lectures and guest speakers and Hollywood producers and blah, blah, blah. And that's when the fascination and story completely took hold of me. And I started following it, uh, read up on the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell's, which a lot of people know about now at the time, I was unfamiliar with it. But when I saw this narrative framework, it immediately rung true to my mind that we could use this in brand development and brand narrative development. And it would bring way more humanity to a brand than what I was used to in my career leading up to that point. So I mapped it to business, boil it down to these 10 steps of the story cycle system. And then it was a total science project. I mean, I had no idea whether this was going to work or not. And the universe once again delivered me like the perfect person, Avin Sati Tafoya, 
the CEO of Adelante Healthcare, a community healthcare center out here in Arizona. At the time in 2009, when we started working with her, um, they were having a lot of problems and were about ready to go out of business. And this was a community health center, meaning providing healthcare for all, regardless of your ability to pay. So I said, Avine, are you open to try a new way of finding your brand and understanding the story? And she said, absolutely. So we tried it on her and she loved it. She immediately got it. And then we took it to the board and we got their people to adopt it. And we launched the brand in 2010. And I can tell you since then, she told me last year that Adelante Healthcare has grown by 600%. And she will be the first one to say it's precisely because we got our brand story right. We got it dialed in. We got everybody bought into this narrative of sustainable story or sustainable healthcare for all. And that was my first whiff in the universe saying, see, I wouldn't lead you astray, Park. You just had to have the courage to go get it. Mm -hmm. That was like, whoa, all right. I'm on this story thing. Let's roll and let's see what we can do with it. Awesome. Awesome. And then since then, it's just unfolded. It sounds like you've worked with, you know, uh, many different organizations. And are you finding that this, and we, maybe we can get a little bit into your story cycle in a moment, but it sounds like, is this a repeatable process that's worked across different industries, different types of businesses? It really is. It works first internally. The funny thing, Norman, I found is as an ad guy, I was never asked to do one thing. And once I showed them how to do the story cycle system, this request started coming in. And this request was, after we got the brand story pulled together, the CEO or the founder or the president, whatever, would come to me and say, this is amazing. We've never looked at our business this way before. Can you come in and teach our C-suite how to tell this story? So again, as an ad guy, branding guy, we would build the brands and then we would advertise it and push it out to the world. I was never once invited into the C-suite to train and teach people how to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Again, the universe saying, as, as, as Campbell says, when you follow your bliss, doors will open where there were only walls before. And all of a sudden, these doors just started opening saying, dude, this is your path. This is what you're supposed to be doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So yeah, it it works on leadership level. It works on overall brand, you know, organizational level. Arizona State University came to me. They saw the success I was having with it with social driven brands, social causes, and invited me. And I, I created a curriculum around it for an executive master's in sustainability leadership program and taught it for five years as an adjunct there. Now, Norman, I had never taught in my life and now I'm teaching a master's class at Arizona State University to executives around the world and companies like Phillips Electronics, Cummins Diesel, American Express, NGOs, and wow. individual leaders. So again, this is when I knew that I had to get away from my old life, shed that skin of ad guy, and get into what one client has recently called me the world's most industrious storyteller. So that's what befits my book under my... The, my yes, I saw that. I saw that. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Well, Helios Lifers out there, you know, we're going to get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of, of Park's storytelling process in a moment. But just as you can hear, Park has, you know, it sounds like the universe has Park's back and it has yours too. And so just a note to put that out, whatever your journey is and whatever that thing is that's calling to you. And uh, I, I love that Joseph Campbell, who's like, you know, one of the pinnacle figures in storytelling is also this person about follow your bliss and your passion and so forth. And so, you know, even in these trying and challenging times, you know, just remember that uh, the universe is still there and sending you messages to send you in the right direction. I know that is still the case with me. Can yeah, I ahead, ask, Mark. can I interview yeah. you for a second? Oh, Norman. absolutely. On your about page, I love this. You had talked about being in high school and you went and you were running for an officer in your high school class and you, yeah. you went after the hell yes and you asked everyone in the audience after your speech, after your presentation, one, two, three, if you're going to vote for me, vote hell yes. Yes. The whole place erupts and you won by a landslide. Yeah. And I love that on two, two reasons. So I also ran for public office in high school, but I totally mailed it in thinking I had it. And I got, I just got boat raced by a, a, a young lady there that, and, and I was like totally defeated. And I'm like, okay, Park, learning lesson. That's what happens when you mail it in. You did not mail it in. You said, hell yes. And you're on board. 
How has that, was that like your moment to become the hell yes life guy? Oh, well, thanks for asking that. I mean, I have an episode where I went through my whole story back in the early uh, times of this podcast, but I don't maybe mention enough. And I forgot to mention to you at the end of every episode, I, I say uh, hell yes together on the count. Oh, I've heard it. My, oh, you have. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that is a reference back to that moment in, in my story. And so yeah, that moment, for, you know, I just know that when I tell that story about that moment for me, I mean, I have plenty of other stories where I've had maybe more challenges and so forth that might make a, a more compelling story. But I just know that that for me is part of my personal mythology. And it's the origin of this podcast, the Hell Yes Life podcast. Years later, I looked back and thought to myself like, hey, I really stepped out of my comfort zone there. And I, you know, I had a hell yes senior year and I would love to have a hell yes life. And so, so that kind of opened up the door for this podcast, but it was also the origin for this, you know, exploring this realm of storytelling and speaking because I told a story in that presentation and, and I discovered that storytelling and public speaking were two of my big hell yeses. Yeah. Well, good for you. Good for you. I just love that story on your website. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So let's turn things back to you. And let me thank you for a copy of your book, Brand Bewitchery, How to Wield the Story Cycle System to Craft Spellbinding Stories for Your Brand. And I know we can't cover, I think you have 10 steps to this in your book and in the cycle, and we won't be able to go in, in detail about all of those. But for those who are listening, who at this point might be like, oh man, I I'm, I'm, uh, uh, really want to get a little piece of some nuggets of information to take away from this, uh, this episode, where could we start? Imagine that there's a, a founder of a small, I, I love purpose-driven organizations too. So uh, whether it's a solopreneur or a small organization, that they're, they're looking to tell their story. They know storytelling is a thing. What, where should we even start with this? So really a great question. And when people see the 10 steps, they're like, oh my God, I don't have time for that. Most business people want a silver bullet. Just cut to the chase. What, what can I do right now? And unfortunately, it's not quite that easy. But yeah. The story cycle system is when you go through the 10 steps, but I want you not to think about it as 10 steps. I want you to think about it as a three-act structure to story. Okay. The first three, three and a half chapters you'll do will be all about setting the context for your story, your position in the marketplace, who you are for, being your audience, what do they care about, you know, what do they wish for emotionally to achieve, and what do they want to buy in order to fulfill that wish. You have to really understand those two dynamics that helps feed the kinds of stories you tell. And then finally, in that act one that launches you into act two is chapter four called disruption. What has changed in the marketplace that is triggering their will to act? Mm, mm, wish, mm -hmm. I emotionally wish to have this. I want to buy something here, but I still have to have a trigger that triggers my will to act, and that becomes the disruption phase. When you go through those first four steps with the story cycle system, you arrive at your unique value proposition and this massive amounts of clarity in your life about how your, you and your brand offering and service are different and distinctive, what you stand for so that you will stand out in this noisy world, who you are for, placing your audience, your customers, at the center of your brand's story. And that, Norman, is one of the biggest learnings when people first get into this. Oh my God, I always thought I was the hero this journey or my yeah. product was the hero. You're not, you actually play a more important role of mentor or guide, which we will talk about down the road in the story cycle system. This is about your customers. And I use audience and customers interchangeably because every audience, when you're talking to them, as I'm talking to you and your listeners now, are a customer because I'm hoping that you will buy into my way of thinking and seeing how powerful it is and, and will work for you. So every audience, you are selling a belief to a mindset to or whatever. And every customer is an audience because you're communicating with them. So I want to get that clear. Your audience, your customers are always at the center of every story you tell. And that's what you do in the first act of the story cycle system, get you through the backstory, your position in the marketplace, your hero, who's the center of your story, what's at stake for them, what do they wish and want in the world, and then disruption. What has changed in their life that will trigger their will to act? You have to know all that so you can tell them the appropriate story while they're on their journey. And it creates understanding, empathy, so that you can really connect with them on their terms, not yours. 
Yeah, I just want to underline that because I think it's a shift to think that way. And I'll, I'll ask you later about kind of like, is there room for telling your story? But let's let's just go through the cycle here first. So Hell Yes Lifers or Hell Yes Entrepreneurs who are out there who are, are looking to tell their brand story, the hero of the story is your audience or your customer, right? It's not Always. you. Yeah. Okay. Always. So just, I, Even I, when you tell a story about you, yeah. you want to think about your audience so that when you tell that story about you, they can live vicariously through you. But yes. they have to have, so you so, and I have the connection of having grown up in the Pacific Northwest. I know Seattle very, very well. I just happen yeah. to live in Phoenix now. So when I tell an origin story to connect with you, I will tell an origin story based on Seattle, based yeah. on growing up on that shared common ground. And that's what I want everybody to do whenever you're talking about your brand to anybody or even for that matter, telling a joke or at a cocktail party and telling a story. Make sure that you understand who's listening and how you can tell that story from their perspective, not your perspective. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so we have in act one, we would say the backstory, the heroes, the stakes, and then there's this disruption. I, um, I'm tracking you here. I, I know that in a traditional story, this might be the, would this be the inciting incident? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So this is what sends the you know, the story, the, the hero off on their journey to a certain extent? Well, well, let's use COVID as an yeah. example, okay. coronavirus. So let's just set the backstory. I don't know about you, but for me anyways, and I think for a lot of people I've, I've spoken with on my website is coming into 2020, we were all really excited about the promise of this new year <laughs> and yeah. what the decade, a brand yeah. new decade had to hold for us. But- coronavirus turned our worlds completely upside down in early March. Yeah. Therefore, you and I and everybody listening to this is on a whole new journey, one we never saw coming, one where the universe pulled the rug out from underneath us, and we are not only trying to cope, we're trying to get through it and actually try to understand how can we thrive in this or, or even can we? Yeah. So our needs all of a sudden become completely different than they were even in February of this mm. year, completely mm. different. Mm. That inciting incident was COVID and yeah. it has marked everybody. So that is a planetary impact, everybody in the world. So that's very unusual because we don't usually have this collective planetary collective inciting incident but it's the best way I can think of. So now for your listeners. So let's put COVID aside and say that you have a product offering a B2B service, or maybe there's actual product, you know, B2C product that you sell. What is happening in your audience's life right now? It may or may not be affected by COVID, but has been disrupted. Maybe it's a new way that they have to do Zooming with their audience, with their team members that you can be there to help them get. Or maybe it's, you know, a new kind of tennis shoe that they want because they're doing way more walking than they ever did before. And they want to take to the trails. You happen to be in the tennis shoe business. And so the inciting incident is, wow, we have a whole uptick in, in, in tennis shoes. I heard a thing on NPR last night, another really good example of it, called the Lipstick Index. So hmm. when the global recession hit back in 2008, Lipstick manufacturers saw an enormous spike in lipstick sales. So as people's income went down, the economy collapsed, lipstick sales went up. An inciting <laughs> incident was the, re the recession and to the surprise and amazement and wonderment of the lipstick business, lipstick sales went up because it was affordable, something that made you know, women look mm. beautiful, and it was a nicety that they could give themselves without breaking the bank. Mm. So when COVID hit, so that was the inciting incident. Also, lipstick sales go up. If you are a lipstick manufacturer prepared now for this economic decline, you're thinking, all right, here we go again, a new inciting <laughs> incident. We are going to sell massive amounts of lipstick. But what happened? <laughs> oh, what did oh, happen? <laughs> it declined because everybody has to wear masks. Oh, and, yeah. And so you, the lipstick <laughs> now index doesn't work that way. But here you've got two completely different inciting incidences yeah. that affected the market in complete opposite directions. Oh, wow. That's what I'm talking about in chapter four of disruption. The goal for any business is how can you be there in that disruption to help your audience get what they want? Okay. And you will become then the go-to most urgent resource for them, the problem solver they're going to hire you know, to, to, to solve their problem. 
Elias Lifers, I don't know if you felt this, but I even felt the story element of Park telling the story of the lipstick index. I was like, what did happen when, when you know, COVID hit? And oh, it went down because we were wearing masks. Oh, that's like, that's, I, I think that's a story element that I notice is sort of the surprise or sort of, and also the mystery, you know, like that J.J. Abrams talks about the mystery uh, yeah. box or whatever. So anyway, um, okay, well, what about your next act? Act, act two. two. All right, thank you for asking. So we have set the stage to get you to your unique value proposition, your clever, interesting way to say what you do. So now we wanna move into this next part, this act two is about you and the brand. How do you show up? What is the personality of the brand? And I take people through this archetyping process that they can do themselves. And it relies on Swiss psychologist, Carl Jung's 12 personality archetypes that seem to be embedded in all of our brains. When we meet somebody, our brain automatically paints a picture, judges them by the cover until we get to know them and creates an, an archetype, a personality of who they are. Regular guy, gal, the hero, the creative, the fool. Believe it or not, where I am in my life right now, I am looked at as a bit of a jester or fool, hmm. which works in a really powerful way because I've got the age, wisdom, and background to go into any sort of dynamic with any level of leader and call it as I see it. You know, so hmm, anyway, so what we do is we take, or you can do this yourself through my book, you look at these archetypes and try to figure out which personality best re represents your brand. And there's usually always a core personality and then sometimes one or two supporting personalities. This is important to get this dialed in because it becomes how you communicate, how you show up in the world, the look and feel and user experience of your website, the tone of your copy, even the stories you tell depending on what your personality archetype is. So as we're doing that, then act two is where the journey happens. It's where customer engagement really begins and really the highs and lows of that. So when we get into chapter seven, the journey, there's actually two um, worlds here that I ask clients to think about. The first one is theirs. So they've just identified their personality in the world and what they stand for so that they stand out. Now I ask them to go on their own internal journey to find stories, real world stories about their impact that they make that they can share with people. And I give them story structures that they can use the five primal elements of story and the and button, therefore, that I've been using on you throughout this. And I used it earlier, very predominantly in your show, talking about COVID so people could listen to that. But I have them go and dig up these stories through this process I call the OO exercise. OO stands for O-O-O, Organization Offering and Outcomes. I want you to find three one-word descriptors that des describe your overall organization three one-word descriptors that describe your offering, and three one-word descriptors that describe the outcome, what people actually experience in this. And then I want you to use each one of those one-word descriptors as themes to trigger stories that support that theme. Mm. Or you know it, you'll have not only nine, but 90 stories of the real-world impact you make that you can now use as content for all of your marketing to help push it out, to show the world, to tell your story. So wow. that's one aspect of the journey. The other aspect of the journey is looking at your customer from three levels. Brand awareness, when they first hear about you, what stories do you tell them? What stories are they telling themselves about you and your industry? And what stories do you then tell them to welcome them in, beckon them in? Leads to brand adoption. So they buy, they buy one thing from you. They have now adopted you into their life. What stories do you share with them and how do you start incorporating them into your storytelling so they feel like they belong? And then brand appreciation. How do you build repeat business with that same customer and get them to tell your story to others so that you benefit from the most powerful form of advertising and that is free word of mouth marketing. Mm -hmm. That all is what happens basically and actually, I kind of jumped into act three, but act two is all about you, how you show up, and what does that journey look like with your customers from brand awareness, adoption, to appreciation. Wow. This sounds like a big, yummy package of storytelling. You know, it's just like uh, covering many different aspects of- Hell uh, yes. Hell yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, to just load up on stories in, in all aspects of your business. This might be one- 
that people might be able to take away, listeners might be able to take away from this this episode and work on. So I just want to get clear about the ooh exercise. So or organization yeah. offering an outcome. An outcome. And yes. you were saying to start with those three categories. And then what did you say there about starting to kind of kind of a list of possible stories related to those? Absolutely. And the funny thing about this, Norman, is this particular exercise found me. And what I mean by that is as I was taking brands initially through the story cycle system, they would start developing these stories internally. Like, oh, and I saw Cindy do this and I saw Jerry and it worked great over here and whatever. And we started assessing this out and I realized that our brains, at least the brains of, of the branders, started gravitating to these three categories, with the organization offering an outcome. And so I thought, okay, how can we um, codify that a little bit more and give them a system, a process that they can use to go and look for these stories instead of just willy-nilly going after them? That's where I came up with the ooh exercise, like ooh. ooh. You know, the other thing it does <laughs> for you is when you craft a really compelling aspirational brand story, you sometimes get internal people pushing back. Like, Jesus, where'd Park pull that out of? <laughs> That's not who we are at all. I don't, you know, really? Is he just making this stuff up? You get that kind of pushback from the cynics. So when you can go in and say, no, this is what our aspirational brand story is. And oh, by the way, we've already been living it. And here are examples of it um, as created through the OO exercise. So again, yeah. a category of organization, category of your offering, product or service, and the category of your customer service, your outcomes. One point I really want to make for your audiences here is your brand story. Just like it's not about you, it's about your customer. Your brand story is, not, is also not about what you make. Your brand story is about what you make happen in people's lives. What you make is simply a vehicle to help them get what they want because remember, you're in a wish-fulfilling business. That's what they're buying. Awesome, awesome. I, I wanna take a moment and just, you know, I think sometimes the, the word story or storytelling kind of intimidates people or people are like, well, wait, you mean like a Pixar movie or a, a best-selling novel? Like I'm not Stephen King, I'm not Pixar director. So I just wanted to note, like I read a, um, do you know Paul Smith? Has he been on your show? Oh yeah, he's yeah. been on twice. He's okay. very good. Very, sell very a story. Good. I was reading that book and at some point in there, he said he was interviewing executives and, and CEOs and he was asking them, what are your best stories? And he would eventually get around to them, but he, he would say, he realized that wasn't the right question to ask because what people would say at the end of that was, oh, I didn't know that was a story. I just, I thought that was that thing that happened to me that one time. So I, just to kind of demystify what a story is, like we tell stories all the time. And now that I'm starting to focus on this again, I can see it, you know, like it's just a, a mode of communication that we're always doing. Mm -hmm. Like if you ask the question, you know, how, how was your weekend? You know, it could be a kind of a lame story if it was like, oh, everything was great, you know, or it could be a good story and it'd be like, which is usually when something kind of bad happens to you. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, you wouldn't believe it. Our car broke down and then this guy comes out, this weird guy with a van comes out, you know, whatever. So we're always telling stories. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there because I think sometimes there can be a little bit of a mis mystique around storytelling. Yeah, and a lot of people will say, oh, you know, our team's already great storytellers, when in actuality, they're not because they get up and they talk about features and functions and yeah. kind of linear and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. But unless you insert conflict or contradiction or yeah. something like, you know, really gets in your way, you're trying to achieve something, but the universe punches you in the nose and you end up doing something over here. But out of that comes a learning and an aha moment. We all have that. And I want people to think about stories are this. They are always about a moment in time, an individual person experiencing a moment in time. Hmm. And moment is uh, the derivative from Latin for momentum, believe it or not. So the thing about a story is it brings momentum to a conversation, to a point you're trying to make. And you can boil it down to these five primal elements of story, and you can use them in a story that is less than a minute long. You have a timestamp. When did, when did it happen? As soon as I say, you know, Norman, last Thursday, yeah. your limbic system pops up and says, oh, and that means your subconscious 
Park, something must have happened. Park's going to bring my attention to, and I better pay attention so that I can learn what I would do in case it ever happens to me. That is a hardwired tape that is constantly whirring in the background of our brain. Timestamp, location stamp just helps cement that. Where did this happen? A central character. I'm not talking about two people or four people or a group or an organization. One individual. That's all our brain cares about. So it could be you. It could be a customer. It could be even a story you heard that you are going to share, providing you understand your audience, that they can relate to and live vicariously through the character and the action in that story. So you've got timestamp, location stamp, character. Those are the first three elements, really the setup of the story. Now you move into act two. But what happened? So you have to have action and surprise. Something has to go down. Now, I told the lipstick story. There was not a person associated with it other than I just heard it quickly this morning. But you had action and surprise on two levels. First, the global recession. Then the surprise was lipstick went through the roof. And we could now use that as an economic indicator. So that's kind of a surprise. Then there's a second surprise in action. Pandemic hits, economic collapse. Oh, well, let's look at the lipstick indicator, it goes the exact opposite direction. So then there's the moral of the story. And what is that? Is you're really not sure what life is going to deliver up. So you better be paying attention and measure and try to understand how you can take advantage of this. So all you're doing is instead of spouting opinion and assertion, you're sharing a true story about a moment in time with an action and surprise to it that makes your point for you. Okay, hell yes, lifers. I think that was really good information from Park there. So rewind that part. There's the elements of story right there. I really resonate with that when you say, well, last Thursday when I was in the office, like, and then your brain, and I know I've studied this a little bit too, there's like your limbic system, like your lizard brain is actually like, it's ready to process that kind of stuff. Right? It pops up like, what? Huh? Yeah. What? What yeah. are you talking about? I need to know this, right? Like yes. this, this is survival stuff. It's like um, rabbit, squirrel, what? Yeah. Squirrel. Okay, now what? And then you, now that you've got them hooked, you start layering on that. So just to make sure that we finish your cycle, and I think you alluded to already with the the moral. So now let's finish up the third act. Yeah, act three. So I took you through act one of setting the stage up through disruption, writing your unique value proposition. Act two then is the journey, but you first have to be introduced into that journey of the brand. So what is your personality? What do you stand for? And then what does that brand engagement look like with your customers? Because you want to ultimately get them to act three, and that is building repeat business and word of mouth marketing and scaling your brand. So in act three, we have the last three chapters. Chapter eight is victories. What does victory look like? What what do the little success milestones look like when people get involved with you and your brand? Chapter nine is the moral of your story. Is what you're doing and what you're offering reflective of what you believe in and what you value as an organization? It's where you find your true purpose in life. Uh, One of the best books that I read that really drove this point home to me was Shoe Dog, Bill Knight's memoir about the founding of Nike. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that Nike, that big global iconic brand they are today, was basically going out of business every month for about eight years until they finally turned the corner. And he said it was always about belief. People weren't buying the shoes necessarily, but they were buying his belief that these shoes were better. And I think that's, I love that point because it's in chapter nine where you really declare what you believe and what you value as expressed through what you offer and how you interact with your customers. Leads to chapter 10, as I had mentioned before, repeat business, scaling your story through your customers as they share it through free word of mouth marketing, the most invaluable advertising you will ever do. Okay, so there's a couple different directions we could go here. I also want to be mindful of your time. Well, one is, could you give like a brief example of someone who's gone through, you, you mentioned the, the first example of the, the organization that you worked with, uh, whether you go back to them or somebody else. I've got I, another I, one trying, for you. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to picture the, the, when they come out of this cycle, like this process of telling the brand story, and I'm trying to kind of discern that from sort of like a, a founder's origin story, for example. What does a brand story look like from somebody so, that you've worked with? So to, to be clear, a founder's origin story is really critical in an overall brand story, as are your quest stories, as are your customer service stories. They all become a part of the anthology of your brand narrative. Mm-hmm. So one is not opposite from something else. They all build upon each other. 
Let me tell you that about Andre uh, Martin Hobbs. So, timestamp. Five years ago, I'm in San Diego speaking for the very first time at Social Media Marketing World in March. Mm. And I was doing one of the kickoff workshops on brand storytelling. The first time they really put storytelling into it. I had 600 people in the room. It was so awesome. 90 minutes, worked their stories, used my what's your story field guide and whatever. And I you know, was set, standing outside the room afterwards and talking to people and whatever. And Andre comes up to me and he has this great accent, handsome guy and French accent. I said, where are you from? He goes, Quebec, Canada. And he goes, I really want to talk to you about helping me with my brand story. And I said, oh, what are you in? He goes, well, I sell used cars to at-risk buyers. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not the purpose-driven kind of brand that I look to work with, right? And so I'm like, (laughs) yeah, okay, Andre, sure, whatever. And he goes, I'll call you in three weeks. So I'm thinking, he's not going to call. I'll get out of this thing. Well, sure enough, three weeks, Andre calls. And he goes, okay, I'm ready to start my brand story. Let's jump into the story cycle system. So hesitantly, I did it. But then I was amazed at what I found. As we got into the story, and we worked from you know backstory to the hero's journey, or to the hero in their story, to what's at stake through the whole thing, I realized what, what he was really selling. He wasn't selling just used cars. What he was doing, his whole mission in life, were to bring in these at-risk buyers, buyers whose credit has been absolutely trashed, as he said, it's no fault of their own. Or maybe they made some bad decisions, but they're really good people. So the global recession maybe took them down. Maybe it was a divorce a loss of a job, healthcare issues. Anyways, they found themselves flat ass broke, no money, and they've been toiling in this life for a few years. They All they want, he says, is the freedom of their own vehicle, and they are willing to come in and spend almost anything now that they got some cash running to get a car. And he goes, that's where the car sharks come in. But working through his brand story, I learned and helped reveal to him is that He isn't selling cars. He's selling financial planning services because the only way you can buy a car through Andre, and it's called Crate Auto Partez. That's my really butchered French for ready, car, go is what it basically translates. You have to go through a two to three hour financial planning session with them first. Full disclosure, open your kimono up to here's what I can afford. Here are all my other bills. And they actually work with you to put you into a car payment that you can afford, not a car. So quite Mm. often they sell them the less attractive car to the buyer, but they said, believe me, we're going to help you for two years. Make sure you make this payment every month. And after two years, your credit will be repaired to the point you'll have some savings that you can level up your car. So that was such an amazing story. We arrived at his unique value proposition that now they use for everything. And it is. Remember when I said earlier, Norman, that your brand story is not about what you make, but what you make happen? Yeah. There's this great auto partez, your vehicle to financial freedom. They are selling financial freedom. They're also using the term freedom because that's what they hear their customers come in wanting. I just want the freedom, you know, the dignity of having my own car. So yeah. he has since used that and he will tell you, and he tells me in the book, he tells you in my book or the podcast I had him on my show, that they use their brand story now as their Bible for everything. He was hoping within five years he would double his growth. They are now building actually their fourth dealership. They are the number one used car sale dealership in Quebec, Canada. People, he told me, come from as far as eight hours away by bus to come to go through their program, get their financial life figured out and leave with a car that they can drive back home. That's how powerful it is. But you see what I did? I had a story that I was telling myself about his industry, about being sharks and I don't want any part of that. Yeah, yeah. So we had to come up with a brand story because everybody else is saying the same thing that would counter that. Mm -hmm. You know, the only thing that beats an anti-story is a better story. And to really demonstrate what he and Prate Auto Partez stands for, and that is to help people right the ship, to get them back on their feet, their vehicle to financial freedom. That's the power of really dialing in your brand story wow. and the impact it can have in your life. That is awesome. I have to admit that I, I've seen that example, but I, I didn't read it in depth 
in either in your book or I think I've seen you, uh, you know, on your website, on website or something yep. like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I don't know about this as a, as a potential. But the way that you just laid it out right there, it changed my mind. So yeah, so I don't know if Helios Lifers out there listening, if it had had an effect like that on you, but um, there's the power of storytelling right there. And when you really do that in-depth work, then it can bubble up into the actual phrasing that you're using, right? The vehicle to financial freedom. I that's Absolutely. Beautiful. That's what, I mean, we were looking for a unique value proposition that was interesting and was as powerful and as aspirational internally for his people as it was for customers coming in. Here's the other thing interesting about Andres. He doesn't hire car salesmen or women. He hires financial planners. Oh, really? That's who sells this car. And he goes, you know, Park, we've gotten to the point now we don't even sell cars. We wow. get people in for free, help them write their ship, and then use the car purchase. And think That's about the, the bigger impact. Yeah. So banks come to him and are happy to loan him money because they know they're going to get paid on it. So he gets a lesser rate on, borrow, on borrowing those funds than his competitors that are trying to sell to the same credit, at-risk credit buyer. He gets a better rate. He can pass that on to his customer and everybody wins in this wow. process. Yeah. That is, Putting that, the customer first, the customer at the center of the story. Excellent. Excellent. Before we go, I wanted to touch back in on, I really like that you talked about that we're all in this story right now, this COVID. And I really love the way you put that too, because yeah, that's right. At the beginning of this year, it was like 2020, man, this is going to be the great, you know, oh, I love the sound of it. 2020 is the sound of a new decade, turning the page. We're going to, you know, I had big plans, big visions. I'm sure we have maybe all did. And then the inciting incident, this happens in March. And here we are in the middle of a hero's journey, really. And one thing that's actually brought me back to this theme of storytelling and focusing on that is if you don't, then all this stuff that happens to you, all this chaos and troubles and challenges are just, it feels like a big meaningless pile of stuff that's kind of standing in your way from, you know, living your hell yes life. But when you focus on it as a story and that you're on a journey, and if you think of Luke Skywalker or Ray or whoever, whatever hero in their journey, it's always about, it's not about things going great all the time. It's always about facing challenges. So is there anything you could say to us as we're in the midst of this challenge for us, I mean, no pressure here, but like to, to think about as, as we're moving forward through this challenging time. Yes. The first thing I would say, you're exactly right, Norman, in that we are all on this hero's journey. And until I really understood the process of this, I would be like, you know, everybody else, you fall into self-loathing and victimhood and, oh, how does this happen to me? And why do I have to go through this? But it is just the, the natural rhythm of life. We all go through this. And that's why the hero's journey has been around since the beginning of time. It captures and retells this natural rhythm of life. So you find yourself in the pit of despair, the dark night of the soul. Yeah. Those aren't, shouldn't be things you fear or push away or take a victim mentality to it. It's the universe saying, dude or dudette it's time to wake up. There's something else you need to be doing than what you're doing right now. And so that's where you got to pick yourself up. There is a great video. It's a Ted Ed video created by Matthew Winkler on the hero's journey. It's all of about four and a half minutes long and it's called what it takes to become a hero or what it takes to be a hero. Hmm. I invite all of your listeners to track that down again. Ted Ed. I also had Matthew Winkler on the business of story. You can find him there too with a, a link to that particular video. Watch it. You will also recognize how this hero's journey is all around you in the movies you consume, the music mm -hmm. you take mm -hmm. in, the books you read. And the only reason why is it's simply a mirror to your life. You go through this hero's journey time and time and time again on all levels, very large epic struggles to very minute hassles that you go through. It follows the same progression of setup problem. What did I learn? Resolution, leveled up. Let's move on to the next thing. So as we're going through this, we are in an epic hero's journey yeah. with this planetary coronavirus, but it's also impacting us on individual, smaller, but still very important ways. And all of those follow the same pattern of the hero's journey. Yeah. Yeah. So Helios Lifers out there, hey, I'm struggling in this time too, just to be candid. It's not, I'm not dancing on a rainbow over here. 
and saying, hell yes, the coronavirus uh, pandemic, yay. But it's helpful for me, and maybe it could be helpful for you as you're listening to this, to reframe things a little bit. Maybe instead of just, oh, this horrible thing is happening to me, this could be, hey, we're all going through this epic hero's journey together. Just to invite you to think about that a little bit. Well, Park, as we start to wind down here, I want to first thank you. This has been a great conversation. I really have enjoyed it. For people who want to find out more about your podcast, your book, and everything else that you're up to, where could they go on the internet to find out more information? Ah, uh, the interwebs. Before oh. I give you that, can I just offer, yeah. I was listening to your show and on the heels of this show, two episodes you did that had a big impact on me. Oh. And I would even recommend listening to them in this order. Listen to Brandon Peel mm. when he talked about activating your purpose. I thought yes. he was really brilliant. And then I loved the follow-up when I listened to Stephanie Scheller talk about, okay, and she wasn't necessarily throwing purpose in there. She was just saying, okay, so what's your focus and what kind of energy do you bring to your business and how can you rethink and show up differently to your business? Those were two episodes that were really powerful for me. So I'd offer that up to your listeners after hearing this. Go listen to Brandon and then Stephanie. You will, not, you will be so happy with what you get out of all that. For me, if I can be a service to you, go to businessofstory.com. My book, Brand Bewitchery, is out on Amazon. You can order a printer Kindle version of it there. And if I could have one appeal to all of you, if you buy the book, and Norman, I hope you'll do this, although I think I sent you a copy. Yeah. Please give me a rating and review because it's the only way a new author like me survives the hero's journey of the Amazon jungle to be found. <laughs> so please give me a rating and review. And then the last thing I'd offer up is I've got a complimentary online tutorial that can help you dial in your brand story and teach you how to tell it. And it is a compliment to the book. You can use either or, or really powerful if you use them both together. You can find that at businessofstory.thinkific.com. Okay. Okay. And we will have the links to those in the show notes. So you can go there to access everything that Park just mentioned. Well, Park, thank you so much for joining. It's great to connect with you. And I always, as I mentioned, I always like to round things out by completing my little origin story here and saying, uh, hell yes, on the count of three with my guests. Are you willing to do that? Hell yes. All right. Here we go. One, two, three. Hell yes. yes. All right. <laughs> Mark Howell, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Norman. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite RSS feed. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review. And if you want to stay connected, visit hellyeslife.com and sign up for the e-newsletter and private Facebook group. Again, I'm Norman Bell. Thanks for joining me. Now let's get out there and live a hell yes life. <laughs>